Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. Um, today's guest is Jonathan Miller of Miller Samuel, uh, top appraisal company um, in New York. Um, really uh, works with us a lot on the residential front. Um, he's a, definitely an authority as far as real estate. Uh, we really had a good time speaking with Jonathan today. You know, Jonathan is probably the most recognized individual in our city and in our suburban area when it comes to value, when it comes to appraisals. Jonathan's insights I thought were pretty neat in looking at not only where we are today, the activity during COVID, but what his vision is for the next five years for our city. And with that, we kick it over to today's interview. Jonathan, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the, the Comeback Podcast. We appreciate you joining us today. Oh, I appreciate it. Our pleasure. So for everybody uh, tuning in, Jonathan, uh, you know, similar to us on the real estate front is, you know, deeply involved in New York City real estate. Jonathan uh, owns one of the top appraisal companies, um, not only in our city, but throughout the state. And I'm sure, I guess, other states, you can tell us a little bit more. But so Jonathan definitely has his pulse. It's, you know, we rely on a lot of uh, Jonathan's statistics and analysis, as do many of the top real estate companies in our city. So I guess before we get into the nitty gritty of the chatter about people running out of the city, I've seen people coming back into the city because suburb prices are too high. Just give us a little background on, on you. I see you're in the suburbs like we are now. I know you have right. kids, college age. What have you been up to for the past? I mean, now it's instead of a month or two, now it's been you know five or six months, so. Right, right, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a six month, it's been a six month holding period. Uh, my firm, Miller Samuel, we've been in business for 34 years. Uh, we cover, we started in Manhattan, but we have expanded our coverage area for New York City and the outlying areas of Westchester, Fairfield, and Long Island, especially in the Hamptons. Uh, our only blind spot is New Jersey at the moment. Uh, and we do lots of appraisals for uh, legal support services. We do lots of expert witness testimony, matrimonial, estates and trusts, gift tax, all those sorts of things. And then maybe a third of our practice is uh, mortgage rate related, you know, um, refi and, and purchase transactions. And then the other thing that we do, it's sort of, it's become a uh, full-time hobby is uh, market studies for Douglas Solomon and I author um, reports in about 36 different housing markets across the country, essentially mirroring the Douglas Solomon footprint. I've been doing that for 25 years and those reports are used by the Fed and HUD and all kinds of alphabet soup of Washington agencies. And, uh, and basically my job is to, keep track of what's going on. And certainly this has been an interesting period. No, no doubt about it. You know, over my entire career, Jonathan, you have been the go-to person for both real estate brokers and, and so many other people when it comes to value. And before we talk about people moving in and out of our city, let's just first talk about a little bit from a value perspective on the residential side. What are you seeing value-wise on deals that are closing over the past six or seven months? How is that looking? 
So, you know, initially, you know, the bulk of the closings were pre-COVID, you know, that they had some linkage to pre-COVID. Uh, you guys actually put out a pretty cool little uh, report on, on sort of, you know, what you're seeing on your end. But, uh, you know, as we've morphed, you know, really migrated further down the line past uh, the mid-March COVID uh, marker, uh, we are seeing um, evidence, you know, I describe, you know, housing prices generally somewhere off, somewhere between five to 10%. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is pre and post COVID, uh, post COVID meaning we're in COVID, which is where we are now, uh, as sort of some sort of COVID discount. Uh, but that's an, that's an average or an overall. We're also seeing bidding wars. Uh, you know, we're seeing a little bit of everything. So it's very dangerous. I always feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, you can just apply an X percent to everything post COVID. And that's not true. But on the average, that's sort of the range. Somebody used the word uh, fragmented, right? The market's fragmented. Brooklyn. It is fragmented. You know, it is fragmented. 10% over asking. Sometimes you see 10% under. But I think what's interesting. Um, the data, I think, counts more now than ever, right? Because the yes. most run high. And for us as real estate professionals, really more so brokers, you know, when clients are, you know, not confident and they're questioning, you know, what moves they can make or should make, when you have, you know, black and white figures, right? And when you have yeah. real analysis, real statistics, not somebody's emotions, when you try to move the emotions out of the equation just for a little bit, you can show them trends, right? There are trends certainly happening over the past three months. Sure. months. And yeah, you know, it's always a loaded question, you know, how's the market doing? Well, what part of the market, right? Is it under two mark, two million? Is it downtown, uptown, east side, west side, you know? Yeah, it, no, that's, that's such a good point. And early on, uh, really what we had, all we had right after the uh, lockdown and all that, was anecdotal and you know I always say that the plural of anecdotal is not data but it's kind of all you had at the time and so I was very cautious about you know sort of brush stroking the whole market as being you know the same sort of performance uh, you know uh, across the board and it's clearly not but clearly the markets you know if you look at New York City Manhattan is the weaker uh, and the other boroughs are are booming so um, so there's a real dynamic that's not quite fully understood yet but you know I think when you talk about the market over two million there's been such little activity so that I think a lot of a lot of those folks quite frankly are out of the city and are not transacting so we really right. haven't seen I guess the absorption of where the purchase price will be tell talk a little bit about the market over two million where activity hasn't been as great Right. So, you know, you could really, uh, when you talk about the housing market and activity and churn and transactions and bidding wars, uh, it's really south of 2 million. The north of 2 million market, uh, you know, has been really uh, hit hard over the last two years pre-COVID with the mansion tax and uh, just the just the general pressure with the salt tax that began in 18 and um, and then the new rent law and all that uh, just sort of worked to, against 
the the upper end. And the way I'd been describing the market generally was soft at the top and tighter as you move lower in price. Uh, and that's clearly, you know, still the case uh, in the purchase market. In the rental market, it's kind of the opposite, where for the first time post-COVID, uh, uh, we're seeing softer rental conditions in terms of uh, trends uh, in the starter market because the unemployment uh, situation that we find ourselves in is heavily skewed towards lower wage earners, gig economy, independent contractor types. I'm not saying that mid-tier and upper-tier salary positions haven't been hit either. There's been furloughs and job cuts and, and all that sort of thing, but not to the same degree. It's been dis disproportionately skewed lower, and that tends to be more on the rental market side. So, so there's a glut for sure on the rental side, and we're seeing that. There's a big inventory there for sure. But I guess, right. with, you know, a lot of people have interest, you know, Alan, is there an opportunity? Is now the time to buy in New York? A question I'm asked by lots of people, whether it be clients, friends, colleagues, give us your thoughts uh, as probably the master in this domain of prices and, and where you're seeing the curves going. Where is our future looking in New York City? Sure. So if you follow the, the overall headlines at face value, by the end of this month, there'll only be five people left in New York City. Right. Uh, you know, maybe six. You know, I don't want to be too conservative. And uh, it's just silly. Uh, so uh, we're actually already seeing a little bit of a, a peak on a month-over-month -month basis in contract activity in the suburbs. All the outlying suburbs, uh, while, you know, sales are, you know, contracts signed are way up over a year ago, you know, it, it doesn't go up forever. And, um, and, and so we're seeing, you know, some plateauing in the sub suburban markets. And if you think about where the purchasers came from, um, a lot of them came from Manhattan, uh, and a lot came from the rental market. Um, and that's why one of the, another reason why the rental market is harder hit than the purchase market. Um, many, many renters became first-time buyers. And one of the reasons for that is the rental market moves a lot quicker than the sales market. And, you know, if you think of the trade-off, if you live in, you know, a 1,200-square-foot two-bedroom with two young sort of, you know, young kids that are Zoom schooling and both both, uh, to both, the, you know, everybody's working, um, you know, you, you sort of put up with that because there's all this great offset that the city offers, which cultural, you know, entertainment, you know, walking, you know, um, you know, sites to see restaurants and all that. And that's been reined in a bit. So the temporary impact is outbound migration. You know, it's, 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 you know, the renter all of a sudden doesn't have an offset to put up with a smaller, uh, the smaller sort of living space and they want square footage and they want a pool and they want, you know, whatever they want in the suburbs. And, um, and I, so I look at what we're seeing in terms of the outbound pattern related to the city is a bit of a overcorrection. And so I, so I think, you know, when you think about the future of New York, uh, and you assume, and I've got fingers crossed, you know, that there's a vaccine as soon as possible. And then that becomes a less of a factor. Really what you have left is Zoom, right? You have the technology. This 
the the actual sort of you know groundbreaking uh, you know impact of COVID on housing has been that Zoom has become ubiquitous, at, you know, essentially overnight, and and it's been tested and it kind of works. Uh, and so now the tether between work and home is infinitely longer and you have more flexibility. So maybe someone owning a place in Manhattan might look at a second home market as what I would call a co-primary, which would be sort of a second, it's a second home market that now they're saying, hey, is this a place I could live here at any time of the year for an extended or a short period of time and just go back and forth? Because if you don't have to commute five days a week, maybe you have to commute once or twice or twice a month or whatever it is, it's less than what it was. And so I think we're going to have this spreading out of, uh, of housing demand. It's, it's just fascinating. Are you starting to see kind of what I alluded to before? Maybe it's a little early to call it a trend, but I've had probably a handful of clients who told me they were looking in the suburbs. They either got outpriced or just, you know, there wasn't the inventory and now they're coming back to the city. They were planning on leaving, trying to leave, but the city's the more economical and reasonable option for them. Right. They thought. Right. Yeah. No, we're, we're starting to see that. You know, uh, five-way bidding wars on every property you look at will tend to do that, you know, to discourage you. Uh, and, and so, you know, and that sort of rampant uh, pace is not sustainable. Um, and so as a result, you know, if you think about what led the outbound initially, the New York Times calculated 420,000 people left New York City, not permanently, but just, and most of that was, or a large share of that was Manhattan because of wealth and mobility, they have flexibility. Uh, and, and so they, they, they were able to pivot quickly. The, you know, the problem is that, uh, you know, that there's a difference between living in the city and the suburbs. I live in the suburbs. I love the suburbs, but I love the city. I love both. I'd like to have both. And um, the reason for that outbound migration initially was based on something that was factually incorrect which was the assumption that density is dangerous. And it's not. Uh, at the height of the, you know, the, when we were the hot spot sort of of the world, Manhattan actually had the, uh, the lowest uh, cases, of, numbers of ca cases of COVID in New York City and the suburban-like outer reaches of Brooklyn and Queens and Staten Island had the highest. So, it, you know, this whole, like, density, all my uh, appraisal peers around the country say, I'm sorry, you live in a high-density market, you know, we're in the middle of nowhere, and nothing will happen up to us. And, of course, it did. So, um, so I think when you have a vaccine and that logic becoming more understood, you know, it's, it's less clear which area has an advantage over the others. Right now, the suburbs are having their day. Um, but I, you know, I think, I think it's a bit over-exaggerated. Sure. What about, I guess, some silver linings? You know, obviously, you know, working from home, being with family, what, I guess maybe from a business standpoint, right? You're, 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 you have employees, you're operating, you know, P&L, how, what have you learned? How have you kind of shifted? Um, not just from, you know, the niche area that you're in, but just from, you know, running a business. Sure. 
Well, that's a great question because, you know, I think many small business owners are looking at the footprint of their office in the city. Uh, we had already started to, I have more employees than I did when we moved into the space we're currently occupying in 2003, uh, 17 years later. I have, more, I have more staff, but my office is half empty. Uh, and this was pre-COVID and it was half empty because I, we were already letting people work from home two or three days a week. I was do, I've been doing that for years. And, um, and so when you would go into our office, you know, we have file cabinets everywhere. You know, we have all these things that are, were the standard in 2003 that are obsolete now. I really need about a 50% cut in the footprint of the space that I need. And we had already started in January looking because our lease is up next year. And, uh, and this confirmed, so the silver lining is, this confirmed that our business was actually more efficient and we didn't have any communication problems and, uh, and it just kind of worked. So, you know, we're going in the right direction. So I'm very encouraged about that. And, um, and I'm very optimistic about New York City itself. It's just going to have a lot of, you know, rejiggering of the use of commercial space as, to me, the most vulnerable aspect of the city. Any, any thoughts? You know, I spend a lot of time in the commercial sector. We represent a lot of lenders, our firm. And there's been a lot of forbearances where people obviously haven't gotten rents, commercial or residential tenants. And they haven't paid interest. They haven't paid principal, sometimes both. Where is that market? Obviously, the retail sector, what fuels our city, whether it be dining, whether it be the hospitality industry, tourism, all of that plays a factor into the values of our apartments, the value of New York City. How does right. that all come into a, a value add? How does that, is that, there's a lot of pent up demand we're seeing in activity under 2 million in commercial, we're seeing activity as well. But where does it go once we get past that? Where, where do you see that going? Well, you know, I think uh, the number one thing, the milestone that we have to, to, you know, hit is when there's a vaccine and it's fully distributed. Uh, that's number one from a safety standpoint. I think, um, uh, you know, of all the sectors, uh, you know, that, you know, I think tourism, you know, comes back after there's a vaccine. Uh, I think uh, retail actually, you know, there's horrific, you know, numbers of a third of the restaurants aren't going to come back or it's probably even higher now. Um, but those have a pretty high turnover anyway. Um, and I, I think that there'll be a tremendous rebound in you know, relatively short order after a vaccine. You know, the, the big gray area is the commercial real estate market. And, you know, you know, you're talking about like hub and spoke concepts for, you know, you have smaller headquarter in the city and then you have sort of, you know, smaller locations, uh, sort of, you know, those are the spokes in the suburbs uh, to grab like the, the best available staff that you can. Um, that'll probably take longer to work out. But I think, uh, you know, really the thing to focus on is not COVID in the context of its impact on business, because I think that's a shorter term. It's really the, the Zoom technology and how that plays into real, real estate. Um, I, guess, I guess it's a day-by-day -day sort, of, sort of thing, but I'm, I'm relatively optimistic. That's great. I guess give us, you know, one of the parting things. What are your thoughts? Where is New York City in five years from a real estate value, real estate activity? 
a look. How is it going to touch and feel the look of New York? Jonathan Miller's thoughts. Right. Well, I, five years from now, I think, uh, I think residential housing will be at parity with pre-COVID, uh, with maybe the exception of sort of, you know, the, the anomaly, the extreme, the super luxury type product. Um, you know, a lot of that's going to depend on, uh, you know, how quickly tourism comes back and the, and a currency play. Um, I, uh, I think we're going to have a lull in development uh, over this next five years, other than finishing out what's coming in. Um, I, I look at this five-year period as sort of a transition or a, or a sort of uh, stabilizing period after coming out of this, and then we go up from there. I think five years is, three to five years is really the period where we, we reset and, uh, and then move forward. Makes a lot of sense for sure. All right. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. This has been great. We appreciate you. Yeah, it's great to join you guys. So. Well, thank you so much. I think our audience will be very excited to hear your thoughts on, on New York City in the future. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. You got it. You can listen to The Comeback on Spotify or watch our interviews on YouTube.